Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of Legal Tech Week, the uh, podcast, webinar, whatever we are, the, where we talk about the week's top stories in legal tech and innovation. It is uh, August 19th, 2022. Uh, several of us on this call are about to head off to exciting National Harbor outside of Washington, D.C. for ILTA, for uh, a live ILTACon there. That's, that's going to be exciting for all of us. Uh, I am Bob Ambrogi. I am the uh, moderator and I write the blog Law Sites and also have the podcast Law Next. Uh, happy to have uh, Jeff Brandt joining us today. Jeff, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Jeff Brandt. I am the Chief Information Officer at Jackson Kelly. I am also the editor of the Pinhawk Law Technology Daily Digest. Which got a really nice redesign. Looks great. I really yeah, like thank it. you. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, Nikki Black. Thanks. Uh, I am Nikki Black. I am the legal technology evangelist with my case law practice management software. I also write legal technology columns for Above the Law, ABA Journal, Daily Record, and also sometimes for the My Case blog. Um, I'm super excited about ILTA this year, first of all, because I haven't been in a while. Second of all, because it's a super surreal experience being in that crazy dome. It's like you feel like the apocalypse apocalypse has occurred and you're living in a city inside this dome with all these random people. It's really strange. And when it rains, you don't know it's raining. You just hear a little bit of a pitter-patter. It's very strange, but it, it's interesting. So I'm looking forward to that. And also, um, uh, I'm speaking on a panel. I've never spoken at ILTA before, at ILTACon. And uh, my case and law pay are both um, exhibiting for the first time too. So it's kind of a bunch of firsts and first time I've been there in a couple of years. So it's a first for that too. So I'm looking forward to seeing you guys all. This and what's your panel? It's a, something of Alexa, my time. It's like a time and billing with an AI component. And I can't remember the exact name of the panel. So. Right. And, and you've also <laughs> volunteered to organize a field trip to a local dive bar. Yes, I have. Because dive bars are my favorite, not enough. But somehow I did indicate an interest in that. I was kidding, but okay. <laughs> but really? I'll do it. Oh, I'm up for anything. Plan my schedule around <laughs> it. Uh, Victor. Hi, everyone. My name is Victor Lee. I am assistant managing, assistant managing editor for the APA Journal. Uh, and um, yeah, sorry, I spilled something right before we got in the air. So that's why I've been wiping, <laughs> wiping my desk down. So I apologize. That's okay. Uh, all right. Well, we'll go on to Steve Embry. <laughs> I, I'm Steve Embry. I am the chief executive officer of Tech Law Crossroads. I'm also a full-time writer for Tech Law Crossroads. I also pay all the bills uh, and clean up after myself when I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, We've, I, I, I don't know, it's been kind of a strange week for me. There's been a lot of stuff going on and I've personally been just saying before we started finding it, uh, it's just been had a really busy week on everything else, other stuff in my in my uh, life and uh, haven't uh, had been able to cover as much of it as I, I wanted to cover. Uh, and I know a lot of us are uh, prepping uh, to go off to ILTA. And Joe uh, Patrice is I think on his way there perhaps right now. And uh, we're, I think we're all looking forward to being there. But uh, Jeff, uh, do you want to do you want to get guest privileges and, and go first with uh, something that uh, struck your interest this week? Sure. So uh, thank you for having me again. Uh, I, I wanted to go back over one of your posts, the mixed messages from the ABA as it reaffirms. And I'll post a link here. Um, Non-lawyer ownership and encouraging innovation simultaneously. Uh, I I look at things like that, and uh, and I you know, it's been what 36, 37 years I've worked in legal uh, as an outsider. My degree is computer science and mathematics, uh, but you know protection of the guild of law is something that continues to amaze me. That you know when you look at what restrictions we put on uh, American lawyers, U.S. lawyers versus uh, England. United, um, Australia, uh, to a certain point, even Canada, the law societies there, I think are a little more liberal, but it, it just, I, I'm not a fan of the uh, ABA. I think a lot of its advice uh, is, you know, a decade old and to ultimately tell me that 
from a technology perspective, I should be doing my due diligence. Doesn't really help from, from that perspective. But like I said, I, I think, you know, ultimately I, I translate that article as innovation is fine as long as it's done by a lawyer. Uh, and I don't think they're gonna see a lot of, we will see innovation from lawyers. I'm not saying that's not the case, but I think we'll see innovation from across the field uh, in a multitude of professional practices that will impact uh, the practice of law and to try and restrict it to strictly the, the guild of law, uh, I think is is a problem. It really is. Yeah, well, as it, as it happens, Victor, the story you had put out there this week is, is kind of related to that. I don't think it talks specifically about the resolution, maybe it did, but about this issue generally of, uh, do, we, do we want Google practicing law? Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know much about the ABA, so I mean, I don't. I don't really. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, so, okay, so uh, I I can't go too much into detail about this, but like you know, pretty much the last few years that I've been there, um, if, if if there's anything that's going to be guaranteed, like you know, the second coming of Armageddon at uh, at what 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 is otherwise fairly um, routine House of Delegates or uh, Board of Governors <laughs> meetings, it's it's this type of resolution. Uh, I think a few years ago, there was a resolution that went the other way where they were like going to encourage, it was going to like, you know, it's going to stop short of endorsing, um, you know, non-lawyer ownership and that kind of stuff. Uh, and so that like, people went nuts over that. And then they had to water it down to what to to, to the resolution where it was like, they'll encourage innovation. And then, and then the same thing this time where it was like, they want like some groups wanted to go the other way, but then, you know, there was pushback in that sense. And then, that, and, and then you kind of see like this kind of like, you know, compromise kind of thing where it's like okay well we you know uh we want to reiterate that we're against this but you know we we, we support this part so you know it, it, seeing the seeing how the sausage gets made kind of you know ends up ends up um satisfying nobody and i'm sure at some point there'll be um you know uh yeah at, 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 at one point so you know there'll be there'll be a much bigger fight that'll 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 come along that'll kind of you know um resolve it one way or the other but yeah, I mean, it's just like it's one of those things where I think you know nobody, you know, nobody ends up being happy about about um, you know the resolutions. Um, you know, you have, you have people who think that you know uh, the article that um, uh, that, that uh, Stephanie Ward wrote focuses on focuses on the efforts in California, but you know you could easily translate to the whole to to, to, to what a lot of other um, state states are dealing with, where it's like you know you have people who are just really suspicious of these tech companies, thinking that thinking that you know. All they care about is money. All they care about is, you know, making a profit. And so, therefore, people people are going to be uh, screwed because they're not going to get the right kind of representation. Because, you know, there's something pure, I guess, about about you know taking the profit motive out of it. Even though, I don't know of any lawyer out there who's ever gone into practice who's who's going to open up the law firm thinking, oh, I don't care if I lose money as long as I as long as I do do right by my by my clients. I mean, you want to you want to end up end up doing both. So it's one of those things where I, I think there's a lot of you know. Um, demonization on uh, you know like, like like you know people assume the worst about about uh, about people on both sides and it ends up not being very productive for um you know uh except maintaining the status quo and maybe maybe that's maybe that's the ultimately what what what, what people are hoping for because as long as you know the status quo remains you know you have a few states where it, it, it's okay like a, like a utah or arizona um but like you know but if the big states kind of remain on the sidelines i think maybe some people will take that i, I keep yeah, looking back you know to my, i um I, I, you know, I, I, I too have to be somewhat careful here, since I am the, <clears throat> the head of the head of the law practice division of the ABA. Um, but it, it, Victor is right. I mean, uh, this is a a very hot topic, and and people on both sides feel feel very strongly. Uh, that's that's also true in uh, in my division. Although you know, we we did not take a position or we asked to on this on resolution, but. I do want to push back a little bit on something Jeff said. It, you know, I, I'm um, I'm very proud of what the Law Practice Division uh, and the content that we offer up, and uh, at least on the practice management side, I think most of it is uh, is cutting edge and not stale, and, and we make a, a very concerted effort to make sure that's the case. Um, and of course, we're in a little bit different situation than, than many of the other uh, substantive sections of the ABA, but. Um, in any event, um, you know, I, I think we do a pretty good job and being, being, you know, on task and uh, and looking at, at issues that are 
are important and, and relevant. Yeah, I, I thought it was something else interesting that happened this week uh, is that um, the ABA Center for Innovation, is that what it's called? The, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. the ABA Center for Innovation put out this innovation trends report. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I think as a matter of fact, they put it out during the ABA meeting and, and annual meeting and then uh, kind of released it out to, to the media this week. Uh, which is an you know an, an interesting report that that talks about a lot of these cutting edge issues, uh, but uh, the report is you know slapped right up at the front of the report is the disclaimer that says the views expressed in this report have not been approved by the House of Delegates or the Board of Governors of the American Bar Association, and accordingly should not be construed as representing the policy of the ABA unless expressly noted therein, uh, and, you know, and it's. I think it's representative of the fact that um, while the ABA powers that be ultimately are continue to come down on the, you know, as Jeff said, only lawyers can innovate uh, side of this equation. I think there's a lot of conflict within the ABA around that issue and a lot of debate and, and probably division. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I like to I like to think that it's moving, you know, that that uh, someday the uh, the. Uh, uh, aircraft carrier will turn uh, slowly but uh, surely, and uh, it, it, the ABA may come around to a more liberal position on this. Well, I keep thinking, of course, the, the other the other piece of it is, you know, the ABA is composed of lawyers <laughs> who love to argue about anything, much less Both something figure. that they feel very strongly about, and and will argue as long as they possibly can. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, Jeff, I've interrupted you twice and I no, won't do it okay. again. I apologize. That's okay. <laughs> I, I just keep thinking back to the work I did with ClearSpire, uh, who I think was truly ahead of their time. And if you gave a ClearSpire uh, more free reign in terms of the differences between ClearSpire, the law firm, and ClearSpire Service Co., the, uh, the other piece, you know, what, what, what could they do today with you know, 2020 technology uh, and free reign to uh, you know, have that non-lawyer ownership piece and component. Uh, you know, it's kind of, I don't know that it's quite a 50-50 toss, but uh, you know, I think things might have turned out a little differently than they did originally, but it is what it is at this point. Yeah. The thing about the ABA that I, I was practically speaking, getting at the most basic level here, the ABA is an organization of lawyers from across the country, from all different geographic regions, all different walks of life, all different size law firms versus, you know, uh, when you have a state bar or even a local bar, you're going to have more of a uniformity of opinion because their experiences are more the same in terms of practicing law and profiting or generating revenue from the practices. But because you're bringing all these different people in from all around the country and because the ABA does tend to be I would argue, um, you know, uh, a larger firm influence, you know, you're going to have these disagreements because the powers that be in the ABA do come from these just completely different backgrounds. So their perspectives are going to be very different on whether it is a good idea to allow someone other than lawyers to practice law. And for some of these people, I mean, the, the bottom line is it comes down to them being concerned about their own financial well-being. So <clears throat> I think the ABA is probably going to be, usually in certain situations, they're absolutely going to lead the change, but I don't know if this is going to be the topic that's going to generate that unanimity. Of yeah, yeah you're, that's also, right, Nikki. I mean, I mean, we we uh, and we've talked several times about you know, the, the legal market is composed of of lawyers and law firms that, with business models that couldn't be more different from one another. Um, to the point that it's you know you we all often sort of think of. The law firm marketplace is being this monolithic sort of marketplace composed of a certain kind of lawyer and law firm. And it's just not true. I mean, contingency fee, the contingency field business model could not be any different than the billable hour business model. And so you have all these different voices and uh, within the ABA. And, and so you're, that's a very good point. It's hard to, hard to, it's hard to, hard to herd the cats. Somebody yeah. said once said it's hard. To, lawyers are like herding cats, but that's an insult to the cats, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Joshua Lennon yeah, right. raises a good point too in the 
um, in the chat. He said the fact that their dues dependent on lawyers cannot be understated in impacting ABA's disjointed leadership on legal services innovation. And that's also bar associations across the country are struggling with membership and therefore they want to retain the membership they've got, including the ABA. So that's a great point too. They're going to try to represent the interests of those who are actually paying dues. So yeah. uh, and that also depends on who's the president too, because sometimes Sometimes, I mean, we've had presidents that have pushed um, regulatory reform, we have presidents that haven't. And we have presidents that focused on other things like, you know, criminal justice reform or whatnot. So it's just, it, it also depends, because I, I mean, uh, a, a few years ago when, um, um, you know, it, 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 it like it was gonna be a much more uh, of a push towards, towards uh, you know, relaxing some of the regulations. But now, you know, I think based on, based on you know, some subsequent events, you know, that, you know, it's probably not gonna happen for a little while. So, I, so that also depends as well, like the, uh, you know, like sort of like the the internal politics and 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 who who's president and who's the president elect that 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 matters too. Can we bring back Judy Perry Martinez for another term? It's uh, just going to take a lot longer to chip away at the definition of what is legal work, lawyer work, versus what is uh, not lawyer work. Uh, we've been changing that in the thirty years that I've been involved. We've seen massive changes in that. I think we'll continue to see change. It just be nice. Yeah, I, I keep seeing stuff that's, you know, this is going to be the tipping point. This is going to be that. Uh, and uh, it's a very resilient industry uh, and uh, very resistant uh, to change and, and those tipping points. So we'll see yeah. going forward. Yeah. And what you just said, Jeffrey, interests me too, because um, the panel that I'm on, that's about artificial intelligence and how it's, um, you know, ways it can be used in the practice of law. Part of what um, technology and artificial intelligence is doing is redefining some parts of practicing law, right? Like they're taking the more mundane aspects yep. and kind of taking it off the plate of lawyers. And for a lot of lawyers, at least incoming associates, for example, those mundane aspects of practicing law were a big part of what they did to like train and learn how to practice law. Um, so it's interesting how uh, the technology is very greatly influencing that definition of what legal work is as well, artificial intelligence in particular. Sally Gonzalez and I did a presentation well, years ago at the first uh, uh, alt conference. And it was all about, you know, what is the next generation practice and so on. That was a, an excellent point raised, Nikki, in terms of if you assume the, the worst case scenario, best case scenario, depending on which side of the argument you're on, that AI takes over and does all this stuff, uh, the mundane stuff, the rote stuff, um, the question became as, in, in the groups that we were fostering conversation with, um, was how do you train people? How do you train lawyers if oh, you go from here you are a new baby lawyer and here's the practicing senior lawyers that are giving you know, the constant advice and general counsel stuff uh, and AI is doing all the stuff in between. Now that's way, way over generalization as to what ultimately is gonna happen, but it will continue to chip away. I mean, again, using um, e-discovery and the AI pieces, tar and car, inside e-discovery. I mean, you've got tools that are uh, available for use. You have people uh, that don't want to use them, don't want to understand the use of them. Uh, so you know, then you get into things like, what, New York just uh, uh, announced the whole, uh, well, not just, but um, security on top of uh, the other- uh, uh, CLA, uh, the mandatory CLA. CLA yeah. Thank you, CLA stuff. So again, it's one of those things where um, it's self-fulfilling, right? You've got tools that can do more. You have lawyers that don't necessarily want to use those tools. Uh, and so we we sit and spin the wheel, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just the, the data is, the evidence is overwhelming that lawyers will, lawyers alone will never be able to meet the justice gap, no matter how much money you throw at legal services, no matter how much pro bono lawyers do, it's just never going to happen. And at some point, it just feels like the ABA needs to wake up to the evidence and, and the facts and, and respond to it. Um, but uh, not happening now, I guess. Um, well, again, too, Bob, as, as I pointed out last week, it's it's easy to, to point fingers at the ABA. But when you look at state bar associations, their track record ain't too good here either. <laughs> so it is a it is yeah, a difficult the, problem driving, with a lot of with a lot of different voices. Yeah, I mean they're the ones driving it. I mean I think at my at my very first ABA annual meeting right, right after I joined, like I think I, I sat in on one of the sessions and like 
you know, there was a guy from, I think it was New York, who like got up in front of everybody and was just, it was, it was a, one of these like panels where like people were talking about innovation and the closing justice gap and everything like that. And it was just like, he goes, I'll never forget. He goes, you people talk about the law as if it's a business. It's not a business. It's a, it's, it's a service. How dare you? And, and it's just kind of like, well, okay. So that, that kind of shows you what the mentality is with this, this idea of, of, of well, well, this, 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 this idea of, of, oh, well, what we do is special and what we do, you know, can't, can't be, can't be, you know, put down the dollars and cents. And, 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 you know, you can talk about this in relation to technology in general throughout the, throughout all the, the entire legal, the entirety of legal practice, this idea of, well, what we do can't be quantified. What we do can't be, can't be reduced to like, you know, ones and zeros and dollars and cents and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and how dare you try and like replace us or, you know, imply that we, that, 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 you know, some algorithm can do a better job than what I trained three years and spent all this yeah. money to be able to do. So I think there's that aspect too. this idea of, well, you know, uh, if, 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 if lawyers kind of accept that what they do is not, you know, special necessarily per se, uh, I mean, 90, 99% of it is just like, you know, wrote form work that could easily be, you know, done more efficiently uh, Then you know, you're never going to get anywhere. Well, it's, I mean, it's interesting how many lawyer, how many of the lawyers who are out there talking about the fact that, you know, para, proposing the idea of paraprofessionals providing any kind of legal services, which have been proposals in, in a number of states, California, not the least of them, there's a new one in Colorado, was it Colorado now that has a proposal on paraprofessionals practicing law, but so many of the lawyers who will say, well, these people can't just give services directly to consumers. Well, then, as soon as they're done talking, walk down the hall and put, you know, throw a file on a paralegal's desk and say, here, prepare all the papers for me for this closing that's coming up next week, or prepare the deal for me for this transaction that's coming up next week. Because they know, you know, I mean, paraprofessionals are, paralegals are highly skilled legal legal services providers who probably, you know, probably in a lot of, a lot of law offices are know more than the lawyers about how to handle certain kinds of matters. Uh, you know, it's just a, it's just hypocrisy. Anyway, well, uh, talking, speaking about how lawyers uh, work and get things done, so, uh, we uh, happen to have uh, more evidence of how that happens this week, thanks to Nikki Black. So, <laughs> Nikki? Well, so um, one of my projects this year, uh, in my case, I've, you know, I write the legal industry report, you know, I, and I wrote that last year, and that's like this report that's based on a survey. But then the other thing I've been doing is pulling different categories of data from my case and trying to um, create useful, actionable, um, draw conclusions from them that are either interesting or useful for lawyers so that it helps them understand, uh, give them actionable data to help them make business decisions in their practice. And so the first, it's sort of three parts of the, um, it's a three-part report, if you will. So the first part is the productivity data that I'll talk about today. Um, the second part, which um, just was um, published and shared, is um, how lawyers get paid. And then the third part is going to be how lawyers get clients. Um, but the part that I want to talk about today that I wrote about it above the law is <clears throat> the productivity data that we, um, we pulled anonymized data from my case. And there were some really interesting findings in there. One of them um, is interesting and it kind of ties into what I'm going to be talking about at uh, Ilticon on that um, AI panel that has some billing focus is uh, the passive time tracking. Uh, my case has a passive time tracking tool built into it, um, which means that anytime the lawyer is working in my case, um, anytime that they don't actually enter and capture themselves, um, this tool will be running in the background at the end of the day, you can go over to the um, smart time finder page and It'll let you know all the stuff you've been doing in my case and the cases you've been working on that have, hasn't been tracked. <clears throat> and then you can, you know, click a button and pull that over into um, the invoice, you know, capture that time. And there's also there's standalone time trackers. There's time trackers built into our software. Our competitors have it. Sometimes it's built in, it's built into legal billing software. Um, I wrote an ABA journal article on <clears throat> time tracking tools and included all those different categories. Um, and one of the coolest things about <clears throat> pulling that smart time finder data was um, it actually shows how in one year, the my case customers, 25% of them that actually use smart time finder um, in 2021, they recorded 186,000 additional billable hours that were captured by that, which is 25 extra billable hours per lawyer per year. And then if you assume 
350 billing rate. I just put it really low. Um, that's billable time worth uh, 65 million was captured with that tool overall, which is about 8,600 invoiced per lawyer captured by the smart time tracking tool. And that's not, you know, it's nothing to frown at, right? Like that, the, that time captured, they're more than paid for my case, you know? And so if you use that passive time tracking functionality, it can save a ton of time. And just as an aside, um, one of the panelists at the ILTACON um, uh, is the CEO of Ping and Ping takes it like a step further and they provide context with AI to the billable um, time capture. So it's just interesting to see how technology can actually <clears throat> help lawyers that do billable hour capture all this time. And then some other really interesting findings that were really just, they're more interesting than anything else. But I took a look at how different practitioners use different features. And it was really interesting to see how different um, practice areas, uh, lawyers practicing them use these features. And, uh, but it also, a lot of it wasn't super surprising, but it was interesting. So if you look at like text messages sent from the MyCase platform, um, family law and criminal law attorneys did that way more often than anyone else, but that's because they're constantly talking to their clients, right? It's a very, and they constantly have court dates and things that they need to discuss versus, you know, a personal injury case will drag on for years. And, you know, you have like, you know, conversation sort of bursts of conversation when things happen, but you're not constantly sending these messages back and forth. Um, and then trust in the States, for example, they only had nine text messages, um, uh, sent. And I believe that this was per case. It was per case within a given year. And that's because, you know, it's a transactional practice. And then some other things, secure client portals, <clears throat> matrimonial won the day with 23 per case. Family law was 19, trust and estates 10, real estate eight. And then some other interesting ones were um, collaboration features. So um, the number of documents created per case, family law, kicked everyone's butt with 31, matrimonial, really a subsection of family law in its own way, um, <clears throat> sort of the same category, practice area at least, uh, 27, and then traffic, only six, You know, which makes sense. A lot of these make sense, but they're just interesting to see. And then the number of documents shared, which is interesting because it's that collaboration functionality where the lawyers are um, sharing documents with either their clients or an expert or a co-counsel. And matrimonial, again, came in super high at 24, um, and I think that might probably be on the client side because I know some matrimonial attorneys and their clients provide them with all sorts of information and documents and data. So I imagine the clients are sending a lot of stuff to their lawyers in that case. Um, family Law 20 and then real estate came in at seven. So it's just interesting to see <clears throat> that I thought that data was just super interesting to see how these different features were so useful in certain practice areas, but not in others. And a lot of that had to do with whether they were litigation or um, transactional. But uh, it was, I really have enjoyed pulling this data and crunching it and coming up with interesting findings. And there was some really inter interesting stuff in the getting paid. And once I write about that, I'll, I'll talk about that as well. But, um, you know, not surprisingly, there was some really interesting data on how lawyers who uh, accept credit cards or payment plans end up collecting more over time, which makes sense because when you're talking about a client-centric practice and giving your client all these different ways of paying, at the end of the day, you're going to end up making it easier for them to pay because a lot of times when people are hiring lawyers, they weren't expecting to hire the lawyer. So it's not like they've been saving up. They get arrested. They suddenly decide to get divorced, <clears throat> you know, um, or, or there's like a tax issue that arises, whatever the case may be. So it's interesting to also see that. So it's just, it's been really interesting pulling this data, um, working with the engineering team, getting them to pull it and then analyzing it and and then having to do the math, which I dislike immensely, but I mean, that's not why we all went to law school. So that part I don't like at all, but about it. So it was I had a kind of a question, Nikki, about that, the time capture feature. I mean, it, it uh, and I've heard kind of similar statistics before, and it just strikes me as um, rather odd that a business built on the billable hour, so many lawyers seem to leave so much billable time on the table because they don't capture it. And I wonder, do you have any sense of sort of what type of things um, are being being captured by the by the by the automated system that lawyers were missing? Is it is it phone calls or conversations or I'm just kind of curious what if well, you have any thoughts about that? That's a really good question. It's very interesting. Um, I didn't, my data didn't go that granular, but I can tell you that, uh, you know, the data pool, I didn't um, have it 
be that granular, but um, it only captures um, our software. There is some software that will capture everything you do on your desktop, for example, whether you're in a certain platform or not. But in my case, Smart Time Finder only captures work done within the platform. So um, you can't make phone calls out of my case. You can log phone calls, um, but I, I really, it's, um, I, I'm not, and I'm not sure if Smart Time Finder captures that, and it, but I think it probably doesn't because if you're logging a phone call, you're already capturing it in a way, you know what I mean? Um, but so it would capture uh, emails. You can send emails out of my case or text messages, or um, it's any functionality that, or um, sending messages to somebody. So you send someone a quick message or whatever the case may be. So it's gonna cover the work that you're doing within our platform, in our case. You know, Like I said, there's others that'll cover everything that you're doing um, out just in general on your desktop. Um, <clears throat> so it, it is a little, it, uh, and I would suggest that if you looked at one of those other companies that pulled data, that did everything on the computer, they probably ended up capturing even more because um, lawyers don't, the, ideally they're, you know, their practice management is their home base and that's our dream, right? But they use other software as well. So <clears throat> I bet they would probably capture more, but there's a pretty, pretty significant amount captured within our software. Um, but unfortunately I didn't go quite that granular, but I can tell you it's probably not phone calls. Yeah, I would guess it's probably like emails and text messages. And, mm -hmm. you know, lawyers are busy and they re reply to an email and they think yeah. in their mind, oh, I'll, I'll write that down and, you know, when I get to it and they don't ever get to it and they forget that, you know, <laughs> those, those well, point ones can add up right. to a lot, of, a lot of money eventually. And I think it's right. something like that. And it may also, um, because we have multiple timers that can be running. So it's, they're already like tracking multiple things probably. So it's gotta be something kind of unexpected that happened that um, they felt like they had to deal with quickly. Um, which is for me, it often was in the old days when I was just tracking on paper conversation, somebody would come in and then I'd talk to them for a while. And I'd forget to record that conversation or a phone call would come in. Um, so it's gotta definitely be sort of those one-offs that um, probably are just point ones or point twos. But like you said, they add up especially if you just capture a few of those a day and then you multiply that out over the year. And that's where you're getting these, you know, significant uh, times uh, amount of revenue coming in from this time that was captured that otherwise would have been lost. Yeah, there, there's a couple of others out there. There's that uh, uh, time by ping, there's zero, uh, a couple of other products that are these sort of passive time captures. And uh, I think with zero uh, kind of its, its brilliance when it first started out was it, it's capturing all the stuff you do on your mobile phone. Uh, and I, you know, I think that's probably accounts for a lot of, uh, failure of time tracking. Uh, you know, you just quickly, you know, you're just sitting somewhere and you quickly, uh, swipe through a couple of emails and maybe type off a quick answer to one of them or something. And you're just not even going to bother to, to record that time. And, and, and like you said, Steve, all those little point ones can, uh, <laughs> end of the day, uh, add up, especially if, you know, sitting in a, in a courthouse waiting for a hearing to start and just sitting there playing on your phone, doing stuff. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah, you have you have to remember that recording recording the time those kinds of in, entries that takes time too that you could right. otherwise so you don't do it because you think oh I don't I'm not going to record that because I've got to do, do something else like I'm I'm billing for so yeah it's a it is a it is a funny situation a lot of ways yeah yeah it also becomes I think a point of the point ones are when you're trying to do it at the end of the day it becomes point two when you're trying to do it the next day it becomes point five and point six when you're trying to do it two weeks out uh, exactly. I mean Intap has a uh, their time platform integrates into dozens of things uh, I mean I, I was trying to quickly pull it up here and I don't see it on their website but I think there's like 30 different integration points so to Nikki's point uh, if you want to spend the time and money and effort, you can integrate into uh, literally anything to find that time, that lost time. But again, it, it, there was a PW study 30 years ago, 40 years ago about velocity of time entry. Uh, and, you know, the fact that uh, if you wait a week, if you wait the month, uh, the amount of lost time is insane. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it, I remember. Also, yeah, go sorry. ahead. Go ahead, Victor. Well, I remember what, what what was that company that everyone was crazy about? Was it Tally or was it, I think you I think Tally. you wrote about them a lot. Uh, yeah. Um, Tally. Um, the, yeah, yeah, like uh, I mean, just like this idea Alexa. of oh well, just have Alexa track it because they they track everything else you do, right? Um, but yeah. but ultimately they went, they, you know, like I think they won they won the startup alley at um, Tech Show that year, and like everyone like we wrote about them, we wrote about them, um, and but like, but yeah, I think some of those is where it's like 
the reason why the reason why they weren't able to find a market they're out of business just, <laughs> yeah just well, yeah they're out of business now but like just like yeah i mean i think i think the idea of like you know using 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 a passive time tracker is just so foreign to a lot of lawyers that it just it's just not something that they're gonna you know spend money on to do and then they're not gonna like and then they're not gonna you know get much use out of it so i don't know i, I mean i mean you know lawyers always complain about it right they complain oh i hate tracking i hate yeah i, I hate having to build time i hate having to track you know my hours i hate having to do this and, and then you know all these studies come out saying oh look at all the time you lose by not doing this but then they're not willing to like learn a new technology to, to uh that would you know that would fix the problem so it, it ends up being kind of like uh like a like a chasing your tail kind of thing but you know you can say that yeah. a lot about about the law right yeah i, I was on a panel uh yesterday or a, a webinar yesterday talking about uh how lawyers can get paid better and, and more easily or something and, and, and but you know the, the kind of the the point of that was just that it's so important that you you know communicate with your clients it's so important that you have processes established around your billing and invoicing and timekeeping and all of that it's important that you have you know schedules in terms of getting your invoices out and following up uh and and that you're recording your time uh and uh it, it it just kind of underscored in my mind how much how dramatically technology has changed or these very simple functions in law practice and how we we kind of overlook the the I mean the real core value of all these practice management programs out there is that they just make it so easy to do this stuff that used to be kind of a tedious thing to have to do. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when we were keeping time on paper slips and, you know, writing down little descriptions and, and, uh, and, and, you know, you lose all sorts of time when you had to do it that way. Cause who wants to sit there all the time writing that stuff down? Um, and, uh, it, you know, it, it just underscores really why every lawyer should have a practice management system. And there are a lot of lawyers <laughs> who still don't, but, uh, it, 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 it's not just something they should do because everybody else is doing it. It really can dramatically change uh, their practice and, and their their efficiency and their ability to get paid and get things done and everything else. I Let's think talk about that a little uh, more. No, I'm totally <laughs> I think it's, you know, it's, it's kind of the height of irony that you have lawyers that are resisting things like the passive timekeeping system and that their, their clients, particularly insurance, companies have all these very sophisticated programs to mark off inappropriate time that appears on the bill. So, you know, perhaps if we were all a little bit, a little more uh, open to systems that capture more time, our bills wouldn't be reduced by so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, I think we can move on to something. Uh, there, I mean, there are various uh, kind of company stories uh, in the news this week. I thought I'd I, one I thought I would highlight is the uh, uh, Net Documents uh, announcement of its launch of this pattern builder uh, document automation tool. Uh, NetDocs had uh, had acquired this company after Pattern, which is a was a pretty cool. Uh, you know, sort of uh, no no code tool for for uh, document automation and building document building uh, workflows around documents and that sort of thing. Uh, and at at the time they acquired it, they they said, you know, this is an opportunity for us to integrate this into right into our Net Documents platform. Uh, and uh, sure enough, that's what they've done. They've it's it, they've created a a sort of a new product that it's really just after pattern, but but now natively uh, you know uh, working directly within the the net documents uh, document management platform so i mean it just it just makes a lot of sense from a talk about workflow uh, and and productivity uh, to be able to build these different kinds of automations and and bots directly into net documents because then everything that you're uh, i mean a you're you're able to to draw off uh, stuff that's already in net documents and then and then b you're able to just put this right into uh workspaces or, or client folders or or whatever um so uh uh i haven't actually used it i've seen a demo of it as i think several of us on this call probably have at this point uh and uh you know it, it again it, it also you you just get the the benefits of being in the net documents platform, apart from the sort of direct document related ones, just that, you know, it, net documents is, is a highly secure uh, cloud-based 
program, uh, fairly ubiquitous at this point, not, not quite ubiquitous, but in, in you know, wide adoption in the legal industry. Uh, and uh, so I thought it was a, a pretty cool uh, move on their part. Uh, I'm glad to see it. Anybody else have any thoughts on that? I'm, I'm connecting with them at Ilticon, uh, uh, so I'll learn more about it then. I haven't had much to think, you know, time to think about it yet. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Some, some of you, Steve, you know they did a demo of it a couple of weeks ago, and I forget. I, I was not, but I saw your piece on it. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, all right. And then uh, I, guess, I think it's just one other thing I was just kind of mentioned again, not, not dramatically exciting, but. Uh, the uh, uh, LexisNexis launch of its new legal research service for Canada. Uh, we sometimes have a few Canadian uh, uh, listeners on this show. And uh, LexisNexis, of course, a couple of years ago launched its Lexis Plus, its, its uh, so-called you know, premium legal research service. And uh, it... Uh, you know, this sort of their their high end, the one that kind of had all the bells and whistles that you'd want to have in a modern legal research service. And uh, they earlier this year rolled out a UK version of it, uh, and now they've put out a a Canada version of it. And uh, again, it, it's you know, it's it's I, I I like Lexus Plus as as it stands, and it's it's this looks like a pretty cool one. Uh, one interesting. Uh, feature of of this Canadian service is that because it's Canada, everything has to be in both French and English. So it is a a bilingual legal research service. Uh, not everything is in French, I guess, but just about uh, most all of the uh, UI and all of that is in is in uh, both English and French. And they are in the process of converting uh, documents so that all the documents will be some of them already are, but uh, eventually. Uh, they want to make all the documents available in both English and French. So that was also pretty cool. And then also Lexus has been talking about these more of these APIs that's been uh, putting out there. And the there's a sort of Canadian legal research versions of, of the same APIs, APIs that they've been talking about lately. So um, again, that was it. I think that I think the French aspect is interesting because um, you know you got to make sure uh that it's pretty accurate translation and i could envision like a situation where um one word is uh you know um, incorrectly translated this happens with contracts right and all of a sudden it has a completely different meaning and somebody's case you know <clears throat> hangs on that particular phrase or something I, I wonder if there's ever been any i'm sure there have been there's been case law translated into other languages i wonder if there's ever been litigation surrounding that or if that could actually feasibly lead to litigation or whether your your original materials are duly noted as you know French original, English original, or so that you can potentially warn yourself on things like that. Interesting, interesting query, Nikki. Yeah, and actually, uh, and, and maybe maybe this I is got Joshua Lennon is from Canada. Yeah, yeah so I was gonna, maybe this is for the peanut <laughs> gallery for like for like Joshua, like someone from Canada. But like, I was just curious. I honestly have no idea. Like, is is Lexus as as big up there? Like, are they are they are they like one of the one of the leaders up there, like the way they are here, or or as or are they kind of? I was just curious, like what their what their market share is up there, like as far as you know, compared to, compared to this country, like are they about about the same as far as you know, how big they are, or or you know, are they like pretty like 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 a lot smaller than other companies? Like is it is it, is it like a Lexus Westlaw kind of situation up there as well? Like I honestly have no idea. I don't know what their market share is up there either. To tell you the truth, I don't know the answer to that. We can we can wait for Josh to tell us the answer <laughs> as our official representative of Canada on the uh, the Canadian rep. The Canadian rep. Um, I, I don't know that. That's a, that's an interesting question. Are we going to require Joshua to print in the uh, chat both English and French versions of his answer? <laughs> well, he said one third that. to Lexus, one third to uh, Westlaw, and one third to Canley. So oh, okay, oh interesting. All right, huh. not too different then. No. Yeah, sounds sounds like Cleo should get into legal research up there. Um, all right. Well, anything. I mean, I guess we could also mention. I mean, it, you know, what would be a week 
passing without Latera acquiring somebody. So uh, <laughs> that happened right. this this time. Uh, Micron Systems. Uh, I don't know. Anybody have any comments or thoughts on that? It's a, it's like. Uh, well, it'd be interesting to see if the people management, the people resource pieces, because uh, Adiran, of course, uh, acquired uh, VI Global. <laughs> not too long ago before that. So is that going to be, is there going to be an all out uh, resource war, people resource war uh, in terms of software? It'd be interesting to see what each one of them does. Well, yeah, uh, the systems alone, when there's an acquisition, having been through a few on my end, it's unbelievable. Just the systems running the businesses, trying to, you know, get everybody on the same systems it takes a lot of time and effort. A lot of people in the background that are uh, working super hard on that. And it's it's key to you know moving forward, right? So, doing I don't know how they're doing that. Take, they they consume a lot of resources. Uh, one acquisition consumes a lot of resources within a company, and uh, going through them at the pace that they've been going through, uh, you really got to wonder how they're how they're doing that. Having having been through a couple of law firm mergers, it's it's even worse when there are law firms involved. <laughs> right, because because uh, what lawyer egos get in the way of everything. Well, no, actually, in a law firm merger, it's only an issue if it's a merger of equals. Uh, if it's not a merger yeah, of equals, then it's actually pretty simple. The bigger right. firm wins. So yeah, that's uh, a good point. You're right. You're right about that, Jeff. All right. Anything? Else? Anything we should be looking forward to at Ulta next week? I was, we got uh, no, Nikki. Nikki speaking. Yeah. Oh, you got something I, else, Steve? Yeah, I do have something. I I, I wasn't you kept telling sure me you had nothing today. Well, I always have nothing. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, you don't as, always have. As the non-leading non-leading legal tech journalist on the on the panel but uh, uh i did i did notice this past week there was a a, a bit of a debate uh and i can't remember whether it was law.com commentators or, or bloomberg but <clears throat> it was noted that the with the slowdown in the mergers and acquisitions um and to some extent the, the lending and commercial sections that that uh, the the growth, the profit growth and revenue growth at a lot of the big law firms is is or may soon be down. And uh, that would be compounded by the additional expenses that were incurred to uh, acquire talent to, to service all that work. Uh, the corresponding view, and it, it may have been Roy's story or, or someone said, well, that that's all true, but never underestimate the ability of big law firms to raise their rates whenever they feel like it. So they, they may, at the end of the day, may end up okay for the year and for next year too, just not, won't be the complete boom that it was uh, perhaps the past year or two. So uh, in any event, I thought that was kind of interesting to see where that might play out. And I didn't, didn't pick up on it a whole lot, but I, I did see the conflicting views as to where it all may be going. Well, that reminds me of the other uh, economy-related uh, story this week that happened earlier this week was the, uh, actually, I think it happened a week ago today, was uh, CS Disco uh, stock plummeting, um, you know, which is interesting in, in part because it's just one of the few legal tech companies that have gone public. Uh, and uh, it, it just dropped by more than half last Friday. Uh, and uh, in their uh, earn they their in their earnings report, I mean, they basically said, you know, this is kind of the nature uh, of of the business we're in when you're when you're doing uh, high large scale uh, e discovery reviews. Uh, sometimes uh, you're busy, and sometimes you're not. <laughs> uh, and we weren't as busy recently. Uh, you know. Uh, whether that entirely explains it or not, I don't know. But uh, I mean, it certainly makes a, a degree of sense. Whether that suggests it's not necessarily a great company to to be a publicly traded company, that may also uh, be something to think about. But that was interesting. And there'll yeah. be a tech, there'll be a Delta. Yeah, I thought eDiscovery went mainstream after you know uh, after Alex Jones and then. You know, uh, Trump with his documents. I, I thought I thought that they would have a boon as a result of that, but I guess not. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were they were. You know, it, it might take maybe that'll drive uh, drive them up next quarter. We'll see how it goes. Well, it takes time to buy and choose software, right? You got to read columns, <laughs> like mine. No, but you know, like it's and the larger the company and the uh, the firms, the large firms are the ones that tend to use e-discovery. Their buying process is a uh, not a short one, right? They have to takes a couple cycles, you know, and they usually will buy at a certain time. So 
I've, right. I've well, I mean, in, in their cases cycle, I mean, they, it may they may well be regular customers of Disco, but but uh, you know, they may have cases that are highly active uh, for the next six months, and then nothing going on for the next year after that. So you just don't know. Yeah. Well, you, the, the you, also have, goes, you also have client input where you know the client has to deal with the discovery vendor, and so you know the law firm ends up as the general contractor, if you will, and it's not necessarily your contract; it's your client's contract that you're using. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think with like yeah. the larger firms, it always feels to me like, um, you know, there's like a blackout and then nine months later, babies are born. I feel like with an event like this makes people want to buy software, especially the larger the firm is, you're not going to see that actual, the, the result of the impetus that made them want to buy it uh, until like, you know, a certain month time down the road versus smaller firms are a lot more nimble. And so when the pandemic hits, for example, it's a lot easier for them to, you know, invest in software and get going with it than larger firms. So maybe Disco it, months from now we'll have you know, a baby. I don't know. <laughs> you know, to to Disco's point, I don't know if it, they're right or not, but you know, we did have a substantial slowdown in litigation during the COVID period, and um, you know now it's uh, that uh, the pig and the snake is, is being pushed through with, with lots of uh, courts trying to set trials and resolve cases, and so you know. My, my sense was that a lot of the discovery went forward during that period of silence. So it's hard to say. All right. Well, uh, we will uh, see all of you, but Victor, I think, at at uh, in in uh, DC next week. I look forward to seeing you all. And uh, Jeff will be the guy hobbling around with a big boot on his foot. Uh, I may I may rent better. an electric scooter, so I might be the guy zooming by you. <laughs> You probably will be in any event, but uh, <laughs> zooming by me. Uh, but uh, great. Look forward to seeing you. And I hope to see a, a lot of our listeners there as well. And uh, hope, well, I guess we'll be back here next week and we can do our kind of postmortem on Ilta at that point and talk about it. So see you all then. Thanks for watching and uh, see you next week. Have a good weekend all. Take care, everybody.